Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> oh, he's up. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he's ready. Okay, all right. Oh, yes, thank you. Yeah, Tony Tama. Yeah, well. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Now, anyone? Oh, this one? Yeah, thank you. Good morning. Did you all sleep well? <laughs> Not really. No one sleeps well at camp. Be honest. <laughs> uh, you forgive me if I have to um, put these on a little bit. I'm just reading from from my notes. Uh, the, you know the phone, but he, he's got a giant. He's got a giant print. I need a giant phone sometimes. <laughs> Hey, I appreciate um, the singing. It was, it was really awesome to um, once again be reminded of the old hymns that I used to be introduced to when I first became a Christian. And, and those, those songs were so precious and it was a great reminder. So thank you for taking us there. Um, what a special day it is today. Um, often you find that when Christians gather together on Good Friday, there's a solemnness. And, and yes, we're supposed to remember... The, the pain and the sorrow and then the reality of what Jesus went through. But really, Good Friday is good because if he didn't die for us, we would have no hope. So it's a wonderful um, reminder this morning. So thanks again for the worship and the singing. Let's just once again pray. You are so, so good to us. We just want to pause and, and stop. Stop what we're doing. Stop what we're planning even after camp. Stop and pause and, and just, just think through that amazing event that happened over 2,000 years ago. And when we think of our lives and when we think of our hearts sometimes, we wonder, why do you bother with us, Lord? Why do you even care? But we so thank you so much for your incredible love, incredible grace, and, and the death that you died on our behalf. So this morning we're like the one leper out of the ten who comes and says, hey, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much for dying on my behalf. And so as we just stop for a few minutes to consider these things, refresh us, fill us, challenge us, and move us as you speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So, over, I've now walked with, with him for over 30 years and I'm convinced today. Uh, is that thing coming on? I'm not sure if it is. <coughs> that doesn't matter if it isn't. I'm convinced today more than ever 
that the greatest theme in the Bible is the blood of Jesus Christ. Um, D.L. Moody said from Genesis to Revelation, it's saturated with this incredible truth about the blood of Christ. So if you cut the Bible anywhere, it bleeds. Um, Everything in the Old Testament pointed to the cross. Everything. I I was sitting next to a lady um, um, at the plane on the way over. And I mean, every now and then your your eyes wander and and I couldn't help but notice what she was reading because it was so clear. She was actually reading on her device Leviticus. And all I thought of was the blood. Because the Leviticus is all about the blood. It's all about the life of the blood. Is, you know, and, and, and so I just whispered to her, oh, that's a pretty hard book you're reading there. And she smiled and says, yeah, I'm going from the beginning you know, straight through and I'm up to Leviticus. It's pretty tough, but it's so interesting when it talks about the sacrifices and points to Jesus. So it was all about the cross. Everything pointed to it. If you look in, um, I'm not sure if I got up there anyway, but if you look in your scriptures uh, to Genesis chapter 8, um, if you can swipe there super fast with your super iPhones, if you went there to, to Genesis 8, you'd find that the first thing that Noah did when he came out of the ark was what? He built an altar. And he offered, and the Bible says here in Genesis 8 that then Noah built an altar, verse 20, to the Lord. And he took every clean animal and every clean bird and he offered burnt offerings on the altar. So the first thing Noah did when he came out of the boat was to sacrifice and blood was shed. Right there at the beginning, God was teaching his people about the cross so that when we look at Noah and the flood, we remember the cross because that's the first thing they did. Um, If you went to Exodus chapter 34, um, you discover, or actually before that, if you went to to Exodus uh, chapter 12, you discover that when the children of Israel were going to leave Egypt. The most significant thing God asked them to do, can you remember, was to kill a lamb after they had held it for a few days and to what? Put the blood on the lintels and on the doorposts, on the lintels and the doorposts. Blood was shed. And when the angel of death came through that night, Who was safe? Those behind the blood. And in fact, God says to them in this chapter, when I see the blood, straight away the cross was remembered. Uh, If you go to Exodus chapter 34, in your own time, you discover that the Israelites, they, um, uh, oh, actually, Moses. You remember when Moses came down from the mount with the Ten Commandments? What was happening down in the camp? Yeah. Already they had broken the law before he had even made it down, and he broke it. He threw them in in disgust and frustration. 
And so he went back and he got the law rewritten, but God gave him more. God gave him instructions for the feasts and the Passover, and he gave him instructions for the sacrifices. Blood was going to be shed as he took the Israelites to freedom. And that's why the Bible teaches that the cross is our freedom. The cross is our freedom. So if you also go, uh, move on into um, the wilderness where the children of Israel were making their way to the promised land, what was one of the things, or the major thing that they were erecting as they moved? It was the tabernacle. And within the tabernacle, there was a a holy place, the most holy place. And in the most holy place, where only the high priest would go once a year, was the Ark of the Covenant. And above the Ark was the mercy seat. And that's where the blood was placed. And they would, if, if you wanted to get close to God, blood had to be shed. It was the most messiest place on, probably on planet Earth was with the Israelites because blood was everywhere. Even within the tabernacle and the temple later, you had to sprinkle the utensils and, and everything that was involved with the ministry of, of God. Blood had to be shed. It was pointing to the cross. God had Calvary in his mind all along. And if you go into the New Testament, you remember John was baptizing. And when he saw Jesus come, what did he say? Yell it out. Who takes away the sin of the world. Everything waited for the moment Jesus would come as the Lamb of God. Um, You go through the letters. I'm I'm only going to give you a couple here. You go through the letters in Romans chapter 3, verse 25. It won't be up there. Paul wrote that God displayed publicly his means of justifying the sinner and redeeming them through Christ. Here it is, as a propitiation in his blood through faith. Now, what does that big word mean? Propitiation. Simply this, it was the mercy seat. If Paul said to the Jewish believers, propitiation, straight away they would remember the mercy seat where the blood covered their sins. And he covers our sins. He is our mercy seat. Um, Paul went on, went on to say, write in Galatians, and you've been through this. Joe took you through a series in Galatians. And what did Paul say in Galatians chapter 6? May it never be, or in the King James Version, God forbid, that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. God forbid that I should boast about anything but the blood that was shed for me. So this morning I just want to I just want us to be reminded and refreshed. Why is the blood so important? Why is the enemy so against this truth in the Bible that he will do anything to to tell people you can get to heaven but not this way? Why is it so important? Here's the first thing I want you to be reminded of. 
It's the only way, the only way we're going to be saved. Our kids are going to be saved. Our aunts are going to be saved. Our friends, our colleagues, it's the only way. And yet today, there is a push that everybody, their own way is is the way. You don't have to just come through Jesus. You can come through this way, that person, this ritual. But no, if you want to get into heaven, if you want to spend eternity with Jesus, if you want a new body, who doesn't want a new body? Come on. After camp, you will want a new body. (laughs) If you want no more sin, if you want your name written in the Lamb's book of life, there's only one way, only one way, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. There's only one way. And the book of Hebrews writes in chapter 9, verse 22, and without the shedding of blood. There is no forgiveness. And that is something that you and I are going to have to press into harder than ever before because our kids and our family and our friends are going to be told otherwise, that you can receive... You know, the Pope is meeting now with the Muslim leaders to have an interfaith coalition of belief And yet Jesus says, what did he say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. We live in a day when the message is ramped up in the world that there are other ways to have a relationship with God. But our faith is both inclusive and exclusive. It's an inclusive because all are invited. We hold nobody back. If you come to Christ, come as you are. He will receive you as you are, but you come by faith. But it's also exclusive. There is no other way. Remember, there was only one boat. There was only one door into the ark. And Uh, Noah and his family went in as a minority, but they came out as the majority. There was no one left. It was just them because there was only one way. So that's something that you and I are going to have to press into. Um, And it will be difficult uh, because people will have so much argument to put forth. The second thing I want to remind us of is that it's the only way that we walk with God in fellowship. Now, none of us are perfect. You would agree, hands up. None of us have got it made today. Even as believers, we stumble and we get dirty. And pure fellowship with God is often broken. But the blood of Christ not only saves us, but it cleans our hearts and, it, and our minds and allows us to walk like Adam did before sin in the cool of the day with God and pure fellowship. It cleans us. Remember the Bible says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from our sin, um, to forgive us and to cleanse us from all our 
unrighteousness. God is faithful. In fact, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. So far. God is not interested in our sins once he's forgiven us. We're the only ones who bring it up. And so the blood cleanses us for fellowship with God so that we walk with him. 1 John 2, 1 and 2 says this, and I love this scripture. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is, here's that word again, he is our mercy seat. He is our propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. In other words, God looks at his sacrifice and he's satisfied. He's not satisfied with your good works. He's satisfied with that one work of redemption at the cross. He's satisfied. It's enough. So much so that when you stuff it up, when you sin before God, and then you start condemning yourself because you've done wrong, because you feel ashamed and guilty, we're human, we feel that. The Holy Spirit is faithful, and he reminds us that there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. He is able to cleanse you. You are able to get up, and you are able to move forward, all because the blood continues to cleanse us over and over again. I remember years ago, uh, I was, I think I've been a Christian for one and a half years, and we went and I went with my family to the islands. And it's funny, you know, I was, I was only a young believer, uh, enthusiastic, passionate, but foolish sometimes. And I remember meeting a young kid on the plane. And I was, like I said, one and a half years in the Lord. And um, I, I was talking to this young, young teenager, and he said he'd just come to Christ, just made his commitment to Christ. And I said, wow, that is, that's amazing, you know? And I, I gave him everything on the plane that I had learned in over one, one and a half years. And in the islands, uh, when we arrived in the island, uh, spent time with family there, they were full on with drinking and going out and partying. So I went with them because I wanted to hang out with my cousins and, and so forth. And I, I broke, I broke a, um, a personal agreement with God because I had grown up in a family that had abused alcohol. I said to God, that's not going to be me. No way. I'm finished with alcohol in terms of my own personal life. I wasn't worried about other people. But when I went out with my cousins and that, guess what happened? Started drinking with them. Started acting like an idiot, you know, as you, as you do when you overdo it. Um, I remember one day I was sitting on, on this fence talking to my cousins, and I saw him coming. I had a beer in my hand. Put it behind my back. Hey, bro. How are you doing? Oh, how's things? Caught up with your family? Oh, that's so awesome. Uh, and, and you've been to the church? And he goes, yeah, 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 Mike, uh, thanks for talking to me about that stuff. Oh, good, yeah. And then he went, 
And I felt so guilty, so guilty. And at the end of the trip, I intentionally made my way to a part of the beach on my own. And I got on my knees and I said, sorry, I'm an idiot. I let you down. And I, I pleaded for God to forgive me and to cleanse me, make me clean. And he led me once again to these scriptures and says, I've already done it. You just had to ask. You just had to confess. It's fine. You're forgiven. You can get up and you can walk again. You can hold your chin up. You can go forward because my blood cleanses you. The last thing I want to share with you this morning is that it's the heart of the gospel, as I shared. It's the heart of the gospel and it will be the new song in heaven. The Bible says in Revelations 5, 9 and 10, and they sang a new song, <coughs> saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to break its seals. For you were slaughtered and you purchased people for God with your blood and nation. And you have made them into a kingdom of priests to our God and they will reign on the earth all because of the blood of the Lamb. So while it's nice, as I mentioned to um, Carrie, yeah, while it's nice to, to have, maybe I didn't, I get confused, I've spoken to a lot of people already, um, so that's my way of getting out of that. Uh, while, while we think about Easter bunnies and, and chocolates and, and get our families to just rejoice and enjoy that, that kind of season, um, stop, stop either today or sometime before Easter's over and come like the leper, the one leper, and say, thank you, thank you, thank you for thinking of me. Thank you for leaving the 99 and running after the one. Thank you uh, that when I was brought up with Buddhist parents, you were looking at me and you were watching over me. Thank you that um, when my family was so entrenched in Roman Catholicism, you looked down upon me and you stayed with me until you reached me. Thank you. Thank you that when, when my family were boozing and giving me an environment to, to cling on to that would only cause loss, pain and damage, you still looked for me and you found me. Thank you for the cross. Thank you so much. I want you to close your eyes and I want to read again another of one of my favourite hymns. And I want you to listen to the words and take it in. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day and there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away.
Dear dying lamb, your precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved and sin no more. Ever since by faith I saw that stream your flowing wounds supply. Redeeming love has been my thing and shall be till I die. And finally, when this poor, lispering, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave, then in a nobler, sweeter song, I'll sing of your power to save. Lord, we uh, come to you as, as just simple, down-to-earth people who've been washed in your blood. And yet there are so many out there that haven't. I pray that the, the reality of what you have done on our behalf would stir us into action, would fuel us with a message for our friends and family that there is another way to live life. Thank you for the blood that saves. Thank you for the blood that cleanses. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that will forever be the song of heaven. And we acknowledge before you, Lord, that we, we don't know the half of the power of your precious blood in our lives. Lord, make it real to us. Make it a song every day on our lips of praise to you. In Jesus' awesome and wonderful name. Amen.